Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Ring the bell, sucker. Ring the bell, sucker. Ring the bell, sucker. Ring that bell. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. Although this episode, we're not watching a movie, technically. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. We're watching a TV adaptation of a movie? Well, sort of. We're watching we're watching a TV version of a story that was probably more popularly known in its movie form that is different to the point of not involving the same antagonist. What we're watching is the TV version of the movie that we watched on our last episode which was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. This is the four-part TV, again, not adaptation. Equivalent is what I would call it. Retelling. Ninja Quest. That is the, the televised explanation for the new Zords and, and uh, some of the new stuff that the Power Rangers get in the movie. We are going to see the TV version, and therefore the Super Sentai version, of stuff like the the Ninja Megazord that showed up. But we're not going to get what you might consider to be key points of the movie. Like, we're not going to get Ivan Ooze. We're not going to get that weird... What was he? I hated him so much I can't even remember what he is. Pig. He was a pig with, like, a monocle. Ugh. Do not... Do not like him. But we're not going to get him. No Gooey Gary and no... (laughs) No pig man. Is the uh, sort of like barbarian warrior lady in this? Uh, no. Instead, we will have a robot ninja. Okay. That that seems like a lateral move. Very much a lateral move. From, from heavy metal right back to Super Sentai. 
I'm interested to see how they compare. I've never seen these episodes of Power Rangers, to my knowledge. If I have seen them, it was years and years ago. But I don't remember the the replacement actors for the original Power Rangers actors. So I feel like season three is probably a season of Power Rangers that I missed. I don't remember, like, Rocky. So I don't know if I've ever actually seen these episodes. Well, here's here's the deal, Matt. In my capacity as a, I'm going to go ahead and say it, a Power Rangers expert, I think I can shed a little light on this for you. Season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers kind of blows. It is not <laughs> great. Uh, what we are watching, um, Ninja Quest, is going to end up being episodes four through seven of Power Rangers season three, because episodes one through three were a crossover with Masked Rider that was meant to launch an adaptation of the Common Rider series to go along with Power Rangers, because if Super Sentai works, there's no reason Kamen Rider shouldn't work. Uh, except they really biffed that one. They put it on the tee. They took the ball, they put it on the tee, they handed them a tennis racket, and they still managed to to just whiff. You're talking about Haim Saban? Yep. <laughs> Whiffed it? Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, not the man himself, but his company. Yes. Uh, Masked Rider never really caught on and and was probably, like, one of the more forgettable entries in the mid-90s post-initial popularity boom of Power Rangers knockoffs, right? Because I think people have some interesting memories of, say, a big bad Beetleborgs. I'm pretty partial to tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills myself. I watched Uh, every episode of VR Troopers, I can tell you that much. Oh, VR Troopers. Masked Rider was just, as far as I know, and I might have this wrong, but I don't think I do, Masked Rider was a flop. Uh, It just didn't work. And they wouldn't try to bring Kamen Rider over again until, like, 2010, when they did uh, Masked Rider Dragon Knight, adapting Kamen Rider Dragon Knight. Uh, I've never seen that. It's... To my knowledge, uh, was not a huge success, as evidenced by the fact that it was the last attempt, and it's been seven years. Season three also features uh, Kimberly leaving. She's going to be in these episodes that we're about to watch, but she is replaced by Kat. We get a pretty great Christmas episode called I'm Dreaming of a White Ranger, which is amazing. I thought maybe the Ninja Turtles live-action crossover was in this, but it is not. I think that's in a couple seasons. I think that's in Zio. So, yeah, season three, not great, at least from my recollection of when I sat down and watched every episode of Power Rangers. Well, we'll see how these episodes stack up, at least against the movie, which I would also categorize as not great. So, I do want to read the Netflix descriptions of each episode, though, because Mm -hmm. they are all very interesting. Okay. Okay. The description for Ninja Quest Part 1 is that Rita's brother, Rito Revolto, I don't know why he has a different last name. I don't know why he has a different last name either. That has always bothered me. He's kind of the, he's kind of the gooey Gary of, of this version of the story. He's the Galobulus of the TV show. Promises to destroy the Power Rangers as a late wedding present for his sister. Ninja Quest Part 2, the Rangers search for the mythical sage Ninjor in an effort to restore their lost powers. 
Ninja Quest Part 3, the Rangers receive new ninja powers, and new Zords are to battle Rito Revolto in his attempt to destroy Angel Grove. Ninja Quest Part 4, Rita and Lord Zed unleash Vampirius, Vampirus, I should say, against the power of the Zords. That's right, <laughs> Ian Hodgkinson. <laughs> if you don't watch Lucha Underground, you do not get that joke, but it is primo. All right, I think we should not mess around anymore. I think we should. Can I ask you just in. one question before we go further? Yes. Now, did you don't remember ever seeing these episodes? Are you familiar at all with Rito Revolto? No, not even a little. Okay, don't look him up. Tell me what you think he looks like. If you had to guess, based on the fact that you know Rita Repulsa, yeah. and you know that Rita Revolto is her brother, how, what do you think he looks like? I mean, in my head, he's kind of just like a male Rita Repulsa, with like, kind of wild hair, and in like weird braids, and mm-hmm. he's got kind of like long flowing robes. He's sort of like the wizard version of Rita Repulsa, who's a witch. Okay. In my uh, head. Matt. Matt. You are wrong on every count. <laughs> well, I, I am so excited for you to meet Rito Revolto in a few minutes. I am excited to see who Rito Revolto looks like. But before we actually watch this, Chris, it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting. It's time for Snack Situation. You love to fight with something to eat. Sometimes it's savory, sometimes it's sweet. Snack. Chris, what are you snacking on? I'm not snacking on nothing. (laughs) Are you falling down in your snack situation duties? Matt, let me tell you something, brother. Uh, It is to pull back the curtain, to take take people into the behind the scenes, into where the magic happens. Uh, It's it's a late night recording session for us. Uh, It is a Friday night. It is 9.38 p.m. currently, and I literally just had dinner uh, because we went to go finish paying off the venue for the wedding, and then we kind of, by chance, happened on the food truck that is going to be catering the wedding, and so I had some food from that food truck, and it was mad delicious. And (laughs) and the the food truck is... Uh, the food truck was uh, Mama's Hot Chicken, Durham's only Nashville hot chicken. Yes. Yes. I'm super excited about that. I will take a meal situation slash wedding food situation <laughs> segment here. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm happy uh, that you had some good hot chicken, and I'm look, looking forward to eating that. Uh, very. Oh, uh, it was so good. It was so. And like, also, uh, today is the day before Free Comic Book Day, so our good friend, friend of Warrock and Ajax, uh, Randy Trang, was in town in Greensboro. So Aiden and I made the drive over there, uh, and we had brunch with Randy, and we went to a place called Scrambled. Which, if you are ever in Greensboro, hit that place up. It was delicious. I just had biscuits and gravy, but they have a a roster of Benedict variations. So Aiden had an eggs Benedict that had fried chicken and sausage gravy on it, and also came with grits, cheese that's, grits. That's that's intense and great. So yeah, I am like fooded up today. I have I have no desire or need for any snacks. I just I, I have look, I have some Starburst jelly beans left over from Easter times right here. I might grab one or two of those, but I am I am snacked out. <laughs> 
right now. No snacks. That, that's fair enough. As people who listen to War Rocket Ajax know, I recently uh, have acquired a new home, and I'm in the process of moving all my stuff from my current home to the new one. Yesterday, we're recording this on Friday. Yesterday, Marlene, my wife, went over to TJ Maxx, the the famed TJ Maxx, which did you know, Chris, that in the UK it's called TK Maxx? I'm sorry, I did not know that there was, first of all, that there was a British equivalent of TJ Maxx. Do you know why no. the fuck it's called TK Maxx instead of TJ Maxx? Oh no, hit me. Hit me, dog. I don't know. I'm I'm asking. <laughs> is there something offensive about TK? Oh, here it is. Here we go. Here's Wikipedia. The company modified the name to TK Maxx to avoid confusion with the established British retail chain TJ Hughes. There you go. Uh, not as interesting a reason as I was. I was- yeah, I was really kind of hoping, and perhaps you were as well, that like TJ is like filthy slang. Yes. Like that would be like that would be like if we called it like Rim Jobs Max <laughs> in America. Exactly. Uh, but it, anyway, free, free uh, store name idea, everybody. You, I'm putting that one out there. Rim Jobs Max. Uh, okay, so she ostensibly went to TJ Maxx to get like rugs, like stuff for the home. And instead, she came back with cookies. Okay. And so I have two boxes of cookies sitting here uh, by my computer. One is a pink box of Curanero macaroons, almond meringues with a strawberry natural flavor cream filling. Now, first thing I want to point out is that this is a product of Italy, which I've always thought of macarons as a French cookie, not that they can't make them in Italy. There's a, a picture of Caterina de' Medici on the side, which is interesting. Uh, there's also a little factoid that says the macaroon has medieval origins. In 1533, Caterina de' Medici brought this delicious pastry to French people as a gift on the occasion of her wedding. Now, here's my big question about this. It's, it's spelled... Macaroon with two O's. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that the sandwich cookie is a macaron with one mm-hmm. O, and a macaroon with two O's was the like coconut cookie. I'm going to confess something to you right now, Matt. I have only ever heard it pronounced macaron, and I have only ever heard it. Sp- I've only ever seen it spelled macaroon. I believe that the that the the one that you think of when you think when you see the sandwich cookie thing is a macaron with one o, a macaroon, a, a little baked cookie with coconut in it. Please write in and let me know if I'm right about that because I'm pretty sure I am. Uh, and then the other thing I have is the wolf some Wolfgang, which I believe is Wolfgang Puck. Latimer Street Bakery Milk Chocolate Topped Cookies. These are just those those cookies that are like a wafer and then an entire fucking chocolate bar on top. <laughs> now, Matt, are you sure that it's Wolfgang Puck and not Odd Future? Could be. Could be Odd Future. Could be uh, Eddie Van Halen's son. Mm, could be. Could be that Scottish wrestler. 
but I think it's probably Wolfgang Puck. Okay, so I have these cookies. I'm going to maybe be snacking on these cookies because I did eat some good, good Salvadoran food before this. All right, Chris, we have done our snack situation, which means it is time for us to watch Ninja Quest, the four-part Mighty Morphin Power Rangers miniseries uh, within season three of the series. Season 3, Episode 4 is where it starts, and uh, all of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers up through Dino Supercharge uh, is on Netflix. So if you want to watch along with us, hit pause and uh, and enjoy, like, go, just go look for the one where it's Ernie on a beach in a polo shirt. A very weird image to start off a four-part saga, but here we go. Uh, and we'll be back in a, we'll be back in a little bit. You're going to hear a little musical interlude and an ad, and then we will be back to talk about these four episodes of Power Rangers. And we are back from watching Ninja Quest... I don't know, maybe equally good to the movie, equally good as, maybe slightly better. I I prefer it. I think this story, well, (laughs) it is less of a unified story for what I, I, well, I want to start here, Matt. I want to start here. How many episodes of Super Sentai do you think were Frankenstein together? To make this story. At least several, because we did some research on Rito Repulso, and let me tell you... Revolto. Rito Revolto. I do it every time. I was not expecting him to look like he looks, and we actually learned something about him, because he, he is from the original Japanese series. Yeah, I thought he was, I always thought he was an American creation. And I said to you, like, when this show started, that I couldn't believe that after they had made Lord Zed and realized he was way too scary and had to go back and, like, tone him down and reintroduce Rita so that he would stop being so terrifying, that their next attempt at bringing in a new villain was, like, the cover of an Iron Maiden album about war. Because if you don't know, Matt is Matt was way off with his guess about what Rito Revolto was going to look like. He is a soldier who is a skeleton. And he is half camouflage and half, like, bleached in the sand bones. Spoiler alert, we're skipping ahead. When he is... He, he's kind of defeated, but he returns back to the moon somehow... When that happens, and like his soul comes out of his body, there's this one moment where he looks like a fucking like decal on like an old uh, Allied Forces tank with like a skull with like a knife in its mouth. I think it's like a rose in its mouth. It's metal. It it is intensely metal when that you, occurs. You're talking about- you're talking about when the uh, the Ninja Falcon Megazord shows up and punches his soul out. Yes, that is what I'm talking about. Yeah, because that's how that fight ends, and it's pretty fucking dope. Uh, but Matt, I, I need you to give me a number. 
how many episodes, if you had to guess, how many episodes were 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 pulled from I guess just specifically Cocker Ranger to make up this this uh series this this four part series. They probably took bits and pieces from like ten episodes. You are absolutely correct, Matt. This uh, this episode is made up of ten different episodes of Cocker Ranger plus footage from two other series. Well, I, I bet a lot of that happens in the first episode because the the first episode diverges from the movie pretty strongly. Instead of skydiving at the beginning, the Rangers are playing in a volleyball game, which they just easily win and is kind of disposed with really quickly. Like, it's just a way to start the episode. Yeah, it's like, this is um, this is an example of something that comes up every now and then, which is that Angel Grove has a sort of rivalry with, uh, with Stone Canyon, uh, an unseen town that occasionally provides antagonists for, not the Rangers, but for their civilian identities. So, like, every now and then some kids from Stone Canyon will show up and make some trouble for the kids in Angel Grove. And so the the Power Rangers win the volleyball game for Angel Grove, but that's that's the end of it. They're not doing it for charity. There's it doesn't really lead into anything else in the story except in the after party, Bulk and Skull decide sort of on a whim that they're going to go to basically police academy. They hear two girls talking about the Power Rangers. And one of the girls is like, yeah, I just want to know about the Boy Rangers, because uh, I love a man in uniform. Which, first of all, that's a fucked up thing to say about the Power Rangers. <laughs> Who looks at those and goes, ah, yes, people in uniform. I mean, they are, but I would say, I, I would say costumes is more appropriate. They are superheroes. Matt, do you yes. like it when, when people refer to superhero suits as costumes or uniforms? They're costumes. I I don't really think anybody calls superhero costumes uniforms. Well, there's a really... I mentioned this because there's a really good... Uh, I think it's Wolverine First Class when Fred Van Linty was writing it, where Cyclops and Wolverine both have separate conversations with Kitty Pride when she refers to like her X-Men suit as a costume. Uh, Cyclops is telling her it's a uniform, and Wolverine... like Then she calls it a uniform, Wolverine... Tells you that it's a costume, and they both have different rationales. It's really good. You should track down that issue. Okay. But to, to be a uniform, they all have to look the same. And They kind of like, look the same? The Power Rangers costumes are similar, but different. So, that is true. Okay. So, because of these two girls, Bulk and Skull decide that they're going to go to the police academy. and Which starts a four-episode subplot. Where Bulk and Skull go to the police academy, decide maybe they don't want to do it, but then go through with it anyway because Bulk says so. Train for like two full episodes and then finally graduate. And that is how this whole thing ends with Bulk and Skull graduating from the police academy. And I guarantee you that somebody just realized that Jason Narvey looks kind of like Bobcat Goldthwait and decided to run with that. Yeah, he starts doing Jason, like he, a full-on impression about he's somewhere doing, in the middle of that doing, second episode. He's doing some Bobcat Goldthwait shtick 
throughout that. I'm surprised that nobody was around like making like sound effects <laughs> during parts uh, of that. Now you might remember that we speculated that there was probably a bulk and skull subplot in the theatrical Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, that we didn't see because they just kind of vanish from the plot and then show up again and play like kind of a key role in the climax of the film. Uh, so if that frustrated you as a viewer, you will be happy to note that nothing was cut out of this version of the Vulcan skull plot. It is all there. It is. They made sure to put every second of the haircut, every second of the training montage. They even get a new song, which is amazing. I remember talking about it back when I watched uh, the whole series for the first time. Because I, I don't remember if it comes up again, and I cannot imagine a scenario where it would, because it's literally just a song about how they have to... Like, about them training to be junior police officers. And the song itself is like, bananas! Because it's like, it's you if you want to be a cop, you gotta run a mile. You gotta swim a big old lake. Fifteen miles. You gotta run fifteen miles. You gotta miles. run fifteen miles and swim a big old lake. And remember, one of you represents all of us. It's the fucking craziest song. There's stuff in it about going through a maze. Jumping, the, like, doing the stuff that they're doing in the montage of training jumping a wall and and you know doing stuff like that it is the music in this four-part series of episodes is like they really went all out because there's a there's a whole song about uh the power rangers fighting the tingle warriors Mm -hmm. that is also a banana song about how they smell like rotten fish and should go back to the sea or something. No, it says they're going to take him to a bird sanctuary where they're going to learn how to do basket weaving. Yeah. Uh, this is all music. I think we talked about him when we talked about the movie. Uh, this is all music composed by Ron Wasserman, AKA the mighty raw, who I feel like at this point in his tenure with the power Rangers, he's about, I guess probably two years in, at the time of these episodes, uh, he has realized that he can just fucking goof off with it, and everybody's going to have a good time. So, after the volleyball game up on the moon, Rita's brother, Rito Revolto, shows up and just, like, jams a bunch of eggs into the ground. And arrives and says, hey... Eddie, who is, which is what he calls Zed, he keeps calling him Ed, even though Zed has Z's all over his body. That should be the letter you least forget. He has one on his head. Yes, he does. He, he, he shows up and he says, hey, I got you a wedding present. There are these eggs outside. They're going to hatch and you're going to see what they are. But before that happens, I'm just going to go down and defeat the Power Rangers because I got a plan. Me and four other monsters are going to go down there. I'm going to be the decoy, and we're going to set up an ambush for the Power Rangers and just beat the hell out of them. So the Power Rangers get a call from Zordon that says that there's a disturbance going on on the outskirts of Angel Grove. And apparently the Power Rangers know exactly where that is. 
because they immediately go there. Mm-hmm. It's a known place, the outskirts of Angel Grove. Yeah. And that is where Rito Revolto and the other four monsters who were kind of like generic like bird monsters sort They're of all these are the, the big monsters that they fight are previous monsters from the series so they're recycling suits because uh finster uh in continuity the reason is that finster is like oh i'll just remake some of my old monsters that give him a lot of trouble so the power rangers go they fight with rito for a while and then the other four monsters pop up and this turns into basically too much for the Power Rangers to handle. They are getting beaten up in the Megazord and calling into Zordon saying they need more power. And Zordon can't provide it to them because this thing that we've never heard of before, the like power regulator, is that what it's called? Power accelerator is what they've Power accelerator. It's overloading. It's it's going beyond its limits. And so Alpha 5 calls Tommy and says, like, hey, Tommy, the power accelerator is going out of control. And if it if it blows up, you're going to lose the Megazords and all your powers. And Tommy, who is very cavalier about this shit, says, that's just a risk we're going to have to take. Well, it's – Matt, you delivered it with so much more of the the intended emotion than JDF drops on it. Because, <laughs> like, like, the line is clearly supposed to be, it's just a risk we're going to have to take. But he goes, you know, Alpha Five's like, Tommy, we can't even more power. It's going to overload the power accelerator. And Tommy goes, that's just a risk we're going to have to take. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, like, shruggy way of looking at it. It's and like, then that's it's what like happens. They were out of the cheese he wanted at the grocery store, and so he's just going to get like a different cheese. He's like, well, that's yeah. the cheese I'm going to get. I, I just, I'll risk it. I'll get whatever cheese I, I see first. That's what happens. The power accelerator overloads. Sh- shit blows up inside the Alpha Five Zordon headquarters. What what is that place called? The command center. The command center. And all the the Zords, like, fall over with their fucking guts hanging out and their heads fall off. It's, like, it is known among Power Rangers fans as, like, one of the most, like, weirdly brutal scenes in the franchise. Like, it's, like, their heads fall off in slow motion. They've got, like, wires hanging out. Like, like their arms fall off in, like, slow motion. Like, Kimberly's freaking the fuck out. It's wild. Yeah, she she gets the really emotional response where she kind of like reaches her arm out and says no. Yeah, she's the every, one Yeah, although everybody else like has a moment where they're kind of like holding their arms up to their faces while the zords blow up and stuff. Yeah, God, God save us from uh, Rocky trying to get through that scene. Good lord. And that's where the first episode ends. And if I were to rank this against the movie just by that part, I would say it is a vast improvement because one of my big complaints about the movie was that it felt like the plot of a single episode of Power Rangers stretched out over 90 minutes. This, you know, gives us an action sequence to end the episode and, and like 
it's the first of four parts, but it feels like somewhat of a complete story, even though it ends on a cliffhanger. Like, at least we got some action and some monster fighting by the end of the episode, right? Yeah, I mean, we're introduced to a new villain, we're introduced to a new villain's plot, like, we've got stuff hanging over our heads, like the, uh, like, whatever's in the eggs, which is still a mystery, even though there's no real reason for it to be. Uh, and, and again, like, that scene of the Zords getting destroyed is, like pretty shocking but it's also i think it's it's really well done i think the show tends to do a pretty good job with its oh no the zords get destroyed scenes it's just the way that it it kind of reverses them that it often has trouble with despite the first episode being pretty good the second one really takes things in a downward direction because it doesn't do any of those things it doesn't end with an action sequence and it's just a lot of, like, milling around and killing time. Yeah, so the deal here, is, again, as you might remember, in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, the Rangers had to go in search of a great power. So they left Earth. They went to another planet and kind of had to deal with a hostile planet that for some reason also had dinosaurs. Uh, and talk to a heavy metal babe. <laughs> this is the TV version of that. Zordon tells them that they have to go to a place called the Desert of Despair, which is on Earth. I don't, like, because Zed looks at them using his Zed vision. So it's a place that's on Earth and is very clearly in California. Uh, for anyone who's keeping track, it's actually the, the same part of the desert where Captain Kirk fought the Gorn. The Power Rangers have had several fights in over the years. And when they get to the temple, it looks like a fucking, like the fucking local arboretum. You turn, you turn a corner and you're going to go to the bonsai exhibit, right? But like, yeah, they're wandering through this like very California-ass desert. And Zordon gives them this map to use to find where they're going. And it looks like the map like on the back of a Cap'n Crunch box. Like, well, it's so, it's so bonkers because it's like... It, there's the, they try to do the, the, you know, the power of Ninjor, that's just a myth. And then Alpha goes, what about the map? And then, like, a map materializes, and somebody goes, I guess it is true. And it's like, do you fucking kids, like, know enough about ninja mysticism to be like, oh, that's probably fake. You ride around in giant dinosaur robots, you assholes. <laughs> So they're just wandering around looking for this temple in the desert of despair for I don't know how long. And it's a very unsatisfying sequence because Billy is the one with the map. And they keep asking Billy, like, hey, where's this rock formation we're supposed to be looking for to find where the temple is? And Billy says, oh, we'll know it when we see it. Oh, we'll know it when we see it. And somehow, through the process of, like, getting set on fire, there's, like, a thing where, like, there's a fire in the desert, and the map gets burnt up. And so they don't have the the visual imagery of the rock formation anymore. And when they finally find it, even though Billy has continually been saying, we'll know it when we see it, when they get there, Billy's like, I guess that's it. I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot in this in this saga that is, yeah, we'll know it when we get there, and then they have to later explain it. Like, it, like, it is very uh, first drafty. Meanwhile, on the moon, 
Zed and Rita and Rito and the rest of the gang have noticed that the Power Rangers are trying to get their powers back by going to the Desert of Despair. And so they're going to have to send something after them to stop them. All but one of the eggs that Rito put outside hatch. And what do we get? Tinga Warriors, just like the ones from the movie, except they look totally different. And their special effects are not as good. But costume-wise, they're, you know, kind of on par with the Tinga Warriors. Costume's better, effects not as good. I think that's the way to, I think that's the way to put it. And then the Tinga Warriors try to attack the Power Rangers in the Desert of Despair. And there's this really, like, half-assed thing where the Power Rangers all just kind of go through a narrow pass and the Tinga Warriors can't get in, can't get through. Oh, the Tinga Warriors who can fly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, for, like, they forgot slash ignored that the Tinga Warriors can fly. And they just can't get through that narrow pass. They just can't do it. Just can't do it. Just cannot do it. There's another egg that uh, Rito has that's blocking the entrance to the Ninjor's temple. Uh, And he's like, I can't remember what's in it, but I know it's pretty cool. Which is, again, very first drafty. Well, like, the second episode is such an anticlimax. Because the the Power Rangers just kind of get inside the temple and are trying to figure out what's happening. And then that's it. That's the end of the episode. They don't fight anybody. They don't really discover anything. Like, the second episode is easily the weak link of this four-parter. Oh, I like, agree. It's, it's, it's just super unsatisfying. And the Tinga Warriors don't even really do anything. In the third episode, we finally figure out what the deal is with this temple. And the Power Rangers walk inside, inside this fucking Doctor Who set... Oh, it's, just like it's pretty rough. Black walls and some candles. The best thing you can say about it is that it kind of looks like Degree Absolute from The Prisoner, but I don't think that's on purpose. I think that is very incidental. And they look inside the big vase and they see Ninjor in there, who is this blue guy uh, with like sort of a ninja mask on, but he's very toyetic. He looks like he's kind of made out of plastic. And we spent a long time trying to figure out what his voice is, and finally we landed on who his voice is. And it's mm, Dudley Do-Right. It is 100% Dudley Do-Right. Mm, it's me, Ninjor. And, like, all the voices are kind of weird. Like, Rito's voice is this kind of, like, half-ass attempt at, like, a drill sergeant. Like an Arlie Ermy drill sergeant, but then his southern accent totally drops out when he gets big and is a monster. Ninjor is 100% Dudley Do Right, where he's like, mm, You've got to use the power of the ninja. And uh, yeah, hilariously, um, this- hilariously, Kimberly says when they look in the base, Who's this little guy? He can't be ninja. No second drafts, no second takes. That's the rule. Kimberly just straight up does not know how to say ninja, and nobody told her, and nobody fixed it. Nope, because nobody cared. Um, This sequence, uh, Ninja's voice, when I finally realized it was Dudley Do-Right, also reminded me that there was a Dudley Do-Right movie in 1999 starring Brendan Fraser, and I had a moment of literally asking Matt, 
Uh, Matt, did I like? Did, it was. Did this movie exist? Because <laughs> it's like I. I wish. I only wish I could be like one tenth as bulletproof as Brendan Fraser in 1999. Just like. Just like not setting them up, knocking them down, getting in that work. And to my re- to my memory, with the exception of like the first Mummy movie, I don't remember the, any of those movies doing that well. Uh, let's see here. Um, you don't think Bedazzled did that well was with Elizabeth Hurley? Bedazzled might have been a hit. I don't know. Anyway, this is not the Brendan Fraser career retrospective. No. Although it easily could be. It easily could be, Matt. We'll we'll do it one of these years. We'll do it one of these years. But, so Ninjor takes them outside to the Arboretum and does the same thing that happens in the movie, where he gives each of the rangers a new Zord and a new animal to pair with that Zord. So uh, we get uh, Aisha with the bear. We get uh, Tommy with a falcon. We get Billy with the silent wolf, who is absolutely not silent. And then the frog is also described as silent and is absolutely not silent. Rocky gets a gorilla. Kimberly gets... What's her animal again? Kimberly's animal is the crane. The crane. crane. And they're all described with like certain adjectives. And we see the Zords. And this is where the movie, the the TV version far outweighs the movie version. Because it's just the models of the, the Zords that are used throughout the series. And even though the the red one that Rocky gets doesn't look like a gorilla at all, and it kind of just looks like a dude, uh, they are much much better than those terrible CGI, terrible CGI Zords from the movie. Yeah, it, it's weird because like it's uh, the 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 Zords. Always like the Megazords always look like dudes in suits, right? Like it's you can't avoid it. It is what they are. But that's the aesthetic. That and it's part of the charm. And it ends up looking like if you watch them back to back, it looks so much better than that shitty mid nineties low budget CGI. Like I don't know why you would do anything else. Because surely to God, that CGI cost them so much money. When they could have just had, like, they could have just had, like, practical dudes in suits for, like, if they had spent the same amount of money, those suits would have looked amazing. And in addition to the new Zords, the Power Rangers all get ninja costumes, which actually look pretty rad. And we see them fight the the Tenga Warriors in the ninja costumes with that Tingle Warrior song. Uh, and even though it does go on, it is pretty cool. Like, it is a pretty cool fight sequence. Yes. Probably better than the movie version of the fight sequence with the Tingle Warriors. At least on par. 
I think probably better, like more fun for sure. Like more, like I mean, they're clearly like jumping off mini trampolines and and stuff, but it's still pretty fun. I will say, I think I prefer Dulcia to Ninjor because Ninjor is so fucking goofy with his Dudley Do Right voice. Yeah, but but overall, like they they knock this out, they they get it done, and. In general, I feel like this whole thing is better than the movie version. And this is kind of where the TV show is the closest to the movie in terms of the story. I should also mention that this is the episode where Bulk and Skull get their haircuts. And Paul Schreier and Jason Narvey for real get their haircut. Yes. Like, we really see all their hair get cut off. And there are a couple moments where Skull's hair is, like, looking good. Like, those would it would be a... A good-looking 2017 haircut. Yeah, he accidentally goes through like two good 2017 styles. One more thing about the uh, the Rangers getting their new ninja powers. Uh, there is a part where uh, Billy is is like you know calling on the power of the world wolf, and he says uh, he says the the wolf is silent and sure, but he could like he's being loud and also could not sound less sure about it. Like he goes, yes. I call upon the wolf. Silent and sure. <laughs> then we head off into the final episode of the four-parter. The egg that has been gestating and not hatching over the course of the four episodes. We finally see what is going on with it. And what it is, is that it was the the home to a new monster called Vampirus. And uh, it's a weird-looking purple thing with an eye patch, And it talks like Peter Lorre. It looks kind of like Majin Buu, dressed as, it does. as Dracula for Halloween. There's a, there's a part of this where va- the um, Ninjor is fighting Vampirus, and he is floating around on a little cloud... Ninjor is much like the little cloud that that Goku rides around on and Vampirus looks like Majin Buu so it gets real Dragon Ball Z for a minute in this episode real real Dragon Ball Z the Power Rangers travel back to Angel Grove after getting their new ninja powers they realize that Vampirus is a new threat but first they have to take care of uh, Rito. So they fight Rito and we get that mega metal thing where his soul comes out. Yeah, which is dope because like when he gets punched, like since one of the fists is the the ape and one of the fists is the wolf, like when the mega ninja mega falcon zord goes to punch, it like does like a strobe effect with like a metal ass like side of a van picture of a wolf head. That's just yeah. dope as shit. It's like pretty awesome. They beat Rito Revolto who goes back to the moon and gets yelled at by Lord Zed, and Rito's just kind of like, hey, we'll get him next time. <laughs> and then they fight Vampirus with the help of Ninjor, the Ultra Falcon Megazord. That's what it's called, right? They uh, they yeah, fight sure, They fight with Ninjor together against 
Vampirus and defeat him also. While he's doing his Peter Laurie voice. Oh, and Ninja doing his Dudley Do-Right voice. It's, it's, the voices are clearly a result of kids won't know what these are. Yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, though. I don't know what Ninja Man sounds like on, uh, on Cocker Ranger, who's the source material. I know that he's a bit of a comedy character in a lot of ways, but I don't know if he sounds like, if, if there's anything like even close to the equivalent of that in what he sounds like, but it's super weird. It's super weird that they gave him a Dudley Do-Right voice. It's super weird that they gave Vampirus a Peter Laurie voice. I, I, I can't begin to explain it. Anyway, they beat Vampirus. Lord Zed yells at Rito some more. But it looks like Rito's gonna hang around. Like he's not going anywhere. Even though his soul came out earlier. And then uh, the Power Rangers and the owner of the juice bar where they hang out go to Bulk and Skull's Police Academy graduation. And that's the end. Okay, Chris, what are the high points of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Ninja Quest? I do think the uh, Zord Carnage of that first part is is pretty exciting. Like, especially if you're a kid, that had to be, like, super shocking. And it was maybe the second or third time the show had done it, but certainly, like, the most graphic. Especially for a sequence that starts with what are clearly, like, toys being held close to cameras while rangers jump around like they're falling out of it. So, I think that part's really good. I think there's, like, a really interesting sense of, like, fun to it. And I I like that we do get a full bulk and skull plot that really does, like, change the characters for good. Like, this is where they kind of stop being antagonists for the gang, uh, as evidenced by the fact that uh, Bulk and Skull, who canonically have parents that we have seen on the show before, invited just six kids from their school and Ernie the Juice Bar guy to their cop graduation. And it almost seems like the Power Rangers are kind of just like humoring them being there. They're going like, oh, way to go, Bulk and Skull. Way to go. It's 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 almost patronizing the way that they... <laughs> they applaud Vulcan Skull. Uh, I would say my top high points of this are the music, uh, which is so off the charts bananas and somehow better than the music from the movie in many cases. <laughs> and even though it's like the music in the movie is like licensed real songs. And the way that it, it tells the same story as the movie in what seems like a much more sprightly, speedy way. Because they managed to get in that Bulk and Skull subplot, which I do think is pretty good. It, it feels like a more expedient way of telling the story uh, than the movie manages to do. Do we have any low points for uh, Ninja Quest? Yeah, I've got some low points. Um, things don't really make a lot of sense. Uh, to the point where, like, 
Rito Revolto is supposed to be Rito Repulsa's brother, but doesn't have the same last name, and that's never addressed. Although I guess they're from space. They might have different naming conventions out there. That's fine. But he like he also I, really I talks theory... about mom and dad a lot. Yeah, I had the theory that Rito Revolto is a first and middle name, and Rito Repulsa is a first and middle name. And uh we just don't know their last name. We don't know their surname. Rita's supposed to be an empress, so maybe it's like her her empress name. Like her, like they have papal names for evil space witches. Could be, could be. Yeah, I mean, it's true that things don't make a lot of sense, but I will give that up for narrative expediency, for narrative speed, because like even the attempts to explain things in the movie are often bad. So yeah. and the movie the movie doesn't explain stuff. The movie doesn't explain why their powers suddenly go away really. Like they just kind of do and we get uh, at least get more of an explanation for that in this. Yeah, but you know, you say narrative expediency, but at the end of the day, this thing is 80 minutes long as far as like actual show content and could still be 20 minutes shorter. Like you could cut an entire sure. episode's worth of stuff out of this and not actually lose anything. Probably half an hour of that 80 minutes is the Bulk and Skull subplot. So it's really just like maybe 50 to 55 minutes of Power Rangers, which is about right. The the thing that I would say is the main low point of this is that there isn't a big fight at the end of every episode, which would be considered kind of an act. Like, each episode should end with an action sequence, and episode two really drops the ball on that. They should have had one in episode two. I can imagine episode two being a huge disappointment for a kid who was just happening to watch that episode on a particular weekday that they're home from, you know, they got home from school. Also, there's some bad line deliveries. <laughs> and we pointed them out. Uh, Kimberly saying ninja and Billy talking about silent and sure. And and uh, that the thing that Tommy says about like, that's just a risk we'll have to take. You know, like, I think you're pretty much right on the money about no second takes. Yeah. Also, it's really weird that we are now, like, in terms of source material, the the classic, you know, original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers costumes, which are good suits, don't get me wrong. Like, they're really good, like, really kind of basic and iconic suits. Uh, those come from uh, from Z-Ranger. We're now two shows past that as far as what they're drawing source material from, and they're still keeping those costumes because that is what's recognizable to the American audience, as though we couldn't just get into the idea of having new costumes every year. Which is which sucks, especially here, because the Cocker Ranger costumes, like the, the actual like show that they're pulling from for this segment of Power Rangers are dope as hell. They're like sweet-ass ninja suits with swords. Yeah. Like, look them up. They're really good. Can you post a photo of them on the Movie Fighters Tumblr? If I remember that we have the Movie Fighters Tumblr, Matt, no guarantees. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the other big problem with using those costumes would be, since it's still the original cast, like... You'd have to write it so that Kimberly would have to become the White Ranger, and you'd have to get rid of somebody because there's no Pink Ranger anymore. <laughs> okay, look, when uh, 
Power Rangers Megaforce shifted over to Power Rangers Super Megaforce. They did it very badly. But one of the things that I kind of hated but have grown to kind of appreciate is that when they switched over to the new costumes, uh, the Black Ranger was like, well, wait a second, why am I the Green Ranger now? And Gosei said, there's an excellent reason for that. And then they cut to commercial and never mentioned it again. <laughs> Kids can fill in the blanks themselves. The, the worst thing about using the original Power Rangers costumes is the fact that even though... You know, Adam is supposed to be a frog now. He still has Mastodon stuff on his helmet. Yes. And even though Kimberly is supposed to be a crane now, she still has, like, pterodactyl stuff on her helmet. And and uh, Tommy, who just got his uh, tiger stuff and still has his white tiger sword, is now a falcon. So, like I said, it, it's not it's not as unified and as as clean a break as you want it to be. But I still think it's fun. Well, with that, Chris, let's give our final thoughts. I enjoyed this version more than the movie, although this is ten minutes shorter and feels about as long. I think having the Balkan Skull subplot helps this a lot. I think we could have done with that in the movie. Because a lot of the subplots in the movie are such nonsense. Like, that kid who becomes the hero of everything in the movie. You know. Eh. And yeah. all the all the villain stuff is maybe lateral cuz we talked about like or like I guess new characters in general. I I do, you know, like uh the the heavy metal lady from the movie more than uh Ninjor here. But like Rito isn't that much better or worse than Gooey Gary. I mean, Gooey Gary does a bunch of gross stuff that I hate. He's a W.C. Fields impression, and fucking Vampirus is Peter Lorre, and Rito is doing, like, kind of a half-assed drill sergeant thing. So none of them are great. But to me, I feel like the TV version moves a little faster and gets its story through a little quicker than the movie does. I think it's really interesting to see two such completely different takes on what are essentially the same story beats. New villain, Zords get destroyed, new power, come back and fight the new villain. But, like, we see it on the TV show in such a Power Rangers TV show way, where it's, not only is it, like, a sequential thing where, like, Rito Revolto is going to stick around for a while. It's it's broken into these distinct chapters that, in a way that I think is really interesting. And and I feel like certain things are made more clear in the TV version. Like you know, we really see the Zords getting destroyed in the TV version, where it 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 doesn't really happen with that much clarity in the movie. Because I, I feel like they didn't want to do CG of the old Zords in the movie or something. Like, the budgetary differences are really weird. You know? Like, what they spent a lot of money on in the movie to make it look like a movie, and the TV shortcuts they used in the TV show. But, honestly, that thing where the Zords get destroyed is a far more is far more of a spectacle than anything that I can really think of from the movie. 
Yeah, it's 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 very strange. Um, Matt, would you like to know what eventually happens to Rita Revolto? Please tell me. Oh, he and Goldar move in with Bulk and Skull. Oh, good. Yeah. That that makes perfect sense. All right, I'm glad we've closed the book on Rito Revolto and the Ninja Quest saga of Power Rangers. We will be back, hopefully, maybe, before the end of May with another episode of Movie Fighters, but we'll definitely be back with a Snack Situation special in May, so keep an eye out for that. Our music is by Michael Kill, except for the Snack Situation theme, which is by Matt Fisher. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. Come back soon for Snack Situation Special for another episode of Movie Fighters. I think we might do a WWE animated movie next. We've been talking about it. We'll see how that goes. But whatever we decide, come back and listen for more. We appreciate you listening to all our Power Rangers talk over the last two episodes. We'll see you soon. This has been a Kalitus Media production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants.